Waveform Magazine is a free print publication that focuses on synthesizers and those who inhabit that world. Issue number one is due out in April 2019 and features interviews with Suzanne Ciani, Dave Smith, Folk Tech, with articles written by DivKid, Abe from AI Synthesis, and more. There are also plenty of gear reviews, music reviews, and a shop talk section where we get to know about those who run our beloved synth shops. Sign up for your free subscription at www.waveformagazine.com and follow them on Instagram. Hello, welcome to another episode of Podular Modcast. I'm very excited to say that today's episode is brought to you by Patchworks. Now, if you're not familiar with Patchworks, it is our local uh, synthesizer retailer here in Seattle. But they're really so much more than just a store. Uh, they're very community-based. They are uh, they have a heavy emphasis on education. They have a lot of workshops. Um, they do a soldering night where if you want to learn how to do some DIY projects, you can go in. You can even buy a kit there, and then you can uh, build it with somebody who uh, can help you, you know, hone your skills. Um, they're kind of the epicenter of this whole community that's been really... Uh, blowing up here in Seattle so I'm just like so excited to be able to tell you guys about them and uh, you may be thinking well this doesn't pertain to me because I don't live in Seattle well that's not true because they have a brand new website that's full of all sorts of great gear not just modular but uh, all sorts of synth stuff um, they have a used section um, they, you can get some books and some albums and stuff online so yeah it's just it's a really great website it looks really good and uh, if you live in a town where you don't have your own synthesizer shop and you want to support a really cool synthesizer shop I suggest going to patchworks.com and that's uh, works with a w-e-r-k-s patchworks.com oh and just so you know the clock the Turing machine I'm using for the sequencer, the envelope generator, the VCA, and the delay that I'm using in the patch below this, I bought at Patchworks. So without them, you wouldn't have this sweet, sweet intro music. So yeah, don't forget to go to patchworks.com. Pod Mod Bods, welcome back to another episode. Um, today's guest is Eric Schlappy from Schlappy Engineering, and you've probably heard me talk about the Angle Grinder and Interstellar Radio quite a bit over the last well, month and a half, two months. And uh, yeah, just excited for you guys to get to know him and uh, hear uh, how his company got started and how he uh, came up with the idea for the Angle Grinder and Interstellar Radio and what he's got coming down the pipeline. But before we get into that, I want to thank all the Patreon subscribers. You guys are helping out a lot. And if you would like to become a Patreon subscriber, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. Um, some, some cool bonus goodies. There's uh, early episodes. Um, you can become a cool kid. You can get a shout out. Um, and I'm also hoping that once uh, Self Center Records starts releasing more stuff, if you're a Patreon subscriber at any tier, level uh, i just want to send you a free download of that stuff so um yeah once again patreon.com forward slash podular modcast so i had an idea the other day um i've i've heard from a lot of listeners you know who who live in areas that maybe don't have a, a synth shop or, or a big community you know that they uh they just they kind of wish that they did and um you know, it's hard to find people if there's no synth shop in your area or, or modular on the spot to uh, to find, you know, 
fellow modularites. So I thought it would be cool to put a call out to all of you guys uh, in, in that situation and, and let me know where you're at and uh, what you're into and I can maybe help, uh, help you find people in your area to um, talk modular with, maybe start your own modular on the spot, uh, jam with or whatever. So yeah, after I put that call out on uh, on Instagram and through the Patreon page, I, I had quite a few people reach out. So um, John from Orlando says, uh, "Yo, longtime listener, first time DMer. Orlando has the M O L O K O plus Orlando crew, uh, Maloko plus Orlando, and in addition to monthly open mic concerts, uh, we also have a tech meet and a greet and swap monthly. So if you want to meet people in Central Florida." check out uh, Maloko plus Orlando online. Um, so yeah, cool. Listeners in Florida. That's pretty crazy. Um, and also, uh, the stinky weasel on Instagram writes, uh, looking for noodlers willing to honk and learn teach in the Las Vegas area. So, uh, yeah, if you want to, uh, if you're in the Las Vegas area and you're, you're looking for people to jam with, uh, check out the stinky weasel on Instagram. Um, and then, uh, I've got Trop on Instagram says, "Hey, I think you have a wonderful idea. I'm definitely looking forward. Uh, I'm definitely looking for some fellow modularites in my area. I live in Central New Jersey and haven't seemed to find anyone around here into modular just yet. Um, would love to organize a meetup or maybe even a NJ Mots with some fellow modularites. Not sure if anyone else can. Oh, I don't need to read that part. Um, so yeah, if you are looking for people in uh, in New Jersey to jam with, then uh, try to find." trop on instagram that's underscore t-r-o-p underscore i believe so that's pretty cool um so yeah send me send me your emails um i got one also from uh somebody in uh in austin uh jeff jeff in austin has uh he has got a, a facebook group for um austin texas modular scene um they kind of do something similar to the patch challenge so uh yeah if you want to uh if you want to get a hold of Jeff and see, um, you know, how you could get involved in that, his, uh, his website is jeffbelcher.com. That's G-E-O-F-F, Belcher, B-E-L-C-H-E-R.com. Um, so, yeah, write me some emails. Tell me where you're at and how you want people to get a hold of you. And maybe uh, I can help connect you guys to uh, some fellow people who have similar interests in uh, getting a little modular community started. Just wanted to mention really quick that that song that you were just hearing under my talking a second ago is from Lisa Belladonna's new album called Endless Roads, and the song is called Appalachian Cloud Path, and I highly recommend you go pick that up on Bandcamp. So we are going to get into our talk with Eric here, but I want to do a little demo, um, and, uh, and, and I'm very proud to present to you our new sponsor for this week, uh, Expert Sleepers. So uh, I'm gonna I'm get a little uh, little disting demo going for you guys here. All right, today we're gonna take a look at the uh, disting Mark IV from Expert Sleepers. This thing does all sorts of stuff. It is an envelope generator. It's an LFO. It does uh, slope. It does um, all that, yeah filters VCO. But today we're gonna look at it as a delay module and it's the reason that I got it initially I I've started using it for all sorts of different things but I primarily wanted it for this tape delay that I'm about to show you so let's just run a simple little thing from rings uh, this is the dry signal
So yeah, not much to it. Now let's bring that into the tape delay. A little bit more interesting and lullaby-like. What's really fun about this is there's an input for your feedback and an input for your tape speed. So right now I'm running a maths channel 1 into the uh, feedback and a maths channel 4 into the tape speed. So let's bring that feedback signal in slowly. makes it a little bit creepier and a little more interesting. Now let's bring the uh, tape speed channel 4 maths signal in. Slightly nightmare-inducing. Um, now I'm going to take the trigger speed that's going into the um, the maths channel four that's controlling the tape speed. I'm going to just speed that up so it give you a little better idea of what this thing can do. Now I sped up the clock that's controlling the channel 1, that's controlling the feedback. There you go. Um, I hope that didn't give you nightmares. Uh, I hope it gives you sweet, sweet dreams about the Disney Mark IV. Um, you should definitely check them out, if, even if delay's not your thing. No matter what you're looking for in a module, it's got it. And uh, yeah, you can build a whole system out of these things. So go to expertsleepers.co.uk for more information. Sweet. Well, Eric, I appreciate you joining me today. And uh, yeah, how's it going down there in Portland? It's going good. How's it going in Seattle? Oh, pretty good. Probably about the same weather-wise. Um, so you sent me an angle grinder the other day, and I have been enamored since. <laughs> this thing is, is crazy. Um, but before we get into that, I want to kind of just cover like how did you how did you get into making modules and I I usually I, I assume things on the show and I'm usually wrong but it seems like just by looking at just since playing with the angle grinder and looking at the other stuff do you come from an electrical engineering background? Yes. Okay, I thought so because um, it's like it seems like not many module makers do, but 
there are certain there are certain uh, types of modules where I'm like, yeah, this seems like this seems like really dense like engineering knowledge is put into this. So, did you get into it for that reason to make modules? Yeah. Okay. Well, sort of. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to build. It used to be. Probably was obsessed with synthesizers first, but then it was guitar pedals. Mm -hmm. um, I went to school to be a sound guy, did that for a while, and it was awful. Um, <laughs> and I couldn't figure out how to build the things I wanted to build. And then I went back to school and got my uh, EE degree, and I kept trying, and eventually I could build the things I wanted to build. <laughs> so it was... Um so when you when you wanted to build things, was it kind of to fill gaps in your in what like what didn't exist, or was it like you had ideas that you know like were, I guess that's that's kind of the, it seems like there's a bunch of different motivations for building modules. People are either I want to build my own gear because it's too expensive to buy it or something I want doesn't exist, or you know what 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 was kind of the the driving force for that um all the above. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I've been collecting uh analog monosynths. I mean not collecting, playing, obsessed with monosynths since uh at least the early 2000s. Um and most of at this point they're all modified. I make weird heavy electronic music. So um a lot of the earlier stuff I built was just mods and the uh, kind of reverse engineering things to make something that's actually meant to do what I wanted to do after something was modified. Mm -hmm. And and some some of the uh, things that don't exist, but I think a <laughs> lot of my ideas are rooted in old things I've used that aren't quite as good as I wanted them to be. Okay. So were, did you design pedals first then? Or I mean, um, I guess as your own devices. I know you're modding stuff, but like your your own like actual from the ground up, from the circuit board up. I I tried. Um, by the time I was finally able to build the things I wanted to build, I was deep into Eurorack. So Eurorack is what I have built. Built. Okay. Okay. Cool. It took it took a long time to you know you try to breadboard uh, schematics and they they don't always work. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I kind of want to go through some of your stuff cause it's all, it's all super unique and interesting. Um, is the, is the angle grinder is not the first thing you've released though, right? It's, is that kind of like one of the newer things? What did you start? Uh, so there's, you it's the with? second thing that's been released. Okay. <laughs> the, Interstellar Radio was released in March, I believe, of this year. Okay. And I think I got out the um, angle grinder in August or September, maybe. Okay. Um, yeah. Because I've seen pictures of other stuff and then noticed that it's not, you know, the only two that exist are the two you just named. Um, so so there, there are lots more prototypes. Uh-huh. Um. Uh, Go ahead. Sorry, the, and I, the delay makes me interrupt you. I'm really sorry about that. No, it's, it's all good. I have the. I don't know if it's a good habit or not, but the this year I went to a ton of trade shows, 
and I just brought, I tried to fill up my case with stuff I'd built. So there's plenty of things in the case that people have seen that may or may not ever actually be released, but I use them in my own music. Okay. Well, um, do you, do you feel like uh, kind of going through a couple of them chrono you know in chronological order and talk about what each one is because the uh, the interstellar radio I don't understand it but everything I've seen you do with it is pretty astounding. <laughs> um, yeah, so the interstellar radio actually comes from some freelance work I was doing in the um, medical device world. Uh, the circuit is actually intended um, to convert an analog voltage to a uh, high-speed pulse train to transmit uh, optically. So, so you can have two pieces of equipment that aren't connected electrically talk to each other with analog voltages. Um, and after I designed that, I was like, I wonder what this sounds like, especially if I take the two clocks and make them not match each other. Uh, <laughs> so it, it takes a incoming voltage, it modulates it onto a high-frequency pulse train, um, which is synchronous with an external voltage. Uh, and then it demodulates that, synchronized to a totally unrelated signal and it just sounds crazy yeah it sounds super crazy and then i saw a demo of uh of you you like ran a drum machine into it and then it just became like the crunchiest coolest like drum pattern i've heard it was yeah super cool so it generates sound on its own but you can you can run sounds into it right yes yeah the when i originally designed it i thought maybe it would be more like a bit crusher but it is not at all <laughs> like a bit crusher really uh-huh except that it's pretty harsh it's really like stacks and stacks of fm and kind of unusual fm um due to the automotive chips used um because they're really short high frequency pulses instead of uh like even um even pulse widths okay so um yeah i was using it a lot for a while to just destroy drums because that's something I'm really into. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did even did some sets where I used it for everything because you can have it destroy drums, but at the same time you can send a CV into one of those uh, so-called clocks. But um, yeah, play a melody on top of the frequency modulation of the drums is pretty cool. Uh, but then I discovered actually a couple months after I released it. I run the error output back into the signal input, and it becomes just an awesome, awesome self-generating noise. Kind of noise. It You can get it to kind of generate its own short sequences that way. Um, I usually use it as a signal source and then run it into a VCA with an envelope on it and treat it as like my hi-hat or my snare but then I open up that envelope and get like the one module harsh noise wall, which is something I like as well. <laughs> so, so you actually learned something new about the thing that you designed after it was released. Yeah. I love modular synthesis. <laughs> Let's see. Um, <laughs> shit like that. 
Same with the, the angle grinder. After I released it, I brought it to um, Mutech in this uh, Roland rep, sat down and started patching it and made one of the coolest kick drum sounds I've ever heard. And now I've been kind of obsessed with making it a kick drum. <laughs> nice. Well, you'll have to add that to uh, the sheet that you ship out with it, the, uh, the little recommended patches. For sure. Which I have to say, so when I got when I got the box, you know, it's it's always fun to open up uh, a a box of mod, you know, a new module from somebody, you know, because there's usually like, there's always a sticker at least, you know. So like, what kind of cool sticker is going to be in here? But yours comes with like a sheet of paper, double sided, with just it's a, like a, a quick start guide, which and it's it's laid out really really nicely, and it's like I don't know, I feel like. While I, I could have fun with it, I actually just sat down and messed around with it before I looked at the sheet. And it has a quality that I look for in modules in that I can have fun with it instantly without knowing even what it does. But then learning what it does obviously makes me have enjoy it much more. So having that like quick start guide next to me while I was messing with it was super, super useful. And I don't know why more companies don't do something like that. So yeah. Hats off, for, hats off for that. So, A, thank you, because that's exactly the reaction I want. <laughs> um, and B, the Kickstart guide is actually, um, I have my modules made by Dark Place, and that's sort of a requirement that they, uh, they're like, hey, make, make a quick start guide so we can include it. The, um, yeah, so they, they definitely pushed me to do that. I may or may not have done it otherwise, but... Um, yeah, the Maleko Dark Place crew. I think the further they go, the further they realize that things should be well documented and friendly to people that buy them. Yeah, and especially with stuff that's complex, like like th this this module is is there's a lot of stuff you can do with it, and a lot of a lot of that stuff I would have never thought to try or figured out had I just like started you know fucking around with it here so yeah i think i think i'm hoping that that just kind of leans more towards an industry standard um because sometimes i get stuff and i'm just like you know you you have to look for videos and you just have to hope that the person who did the video was good good thing ben's out there div kid doing cool stuff but you know um with with a little bit of luck there will be a div kid video for the angle <laughs> oh i'd love to see what he he'd have fun with it um so yeah, I kind of want to talk. I I really want to dive into this thing. Um, I'm it's I'm kind of like a fan, like a, a kind of fanboying out on this module right now, which is a, a strange thing. But it so I'm I'm huge with I'm hugely, hugely, I'm bigly into uh, <laughs> sine sine wave. I re, like I I tend to you know always gravitate towards the the sine wave output on most modules or try to get them to do that so the fact that this thing is a you know sine core generator is that how i would say it is it a sine core generator yeah um, you could sine core is uh yeah it's a it's a phase shift oscillator Okay, sine core is also the type of the genre of music I, I'm I'm trying to start, but um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it just makes everybody fall asleep. Um, but so, what I love about this is it's got it's it's it kind of reminds me of like if the STO like genetically mutated into like 
with with the help of steroids or something. I don't know. I'm I'm mixing metaphors here, but you know, like so the STO has that sign, and then it, and it has like the wave shapey kind of CV input and knob, so that you can kind of crunch it up. But this thing does that plus so much more, and in such a a, a meatier way. I'm going to stop gushing over it. I don't even think I formulated a <laughs> question, but I guess my question is, what was kind of the uh, the um, like the seed of the idea of it, and how did it progress? So I'd heard about quadrature oscillators, um, but never really gotten to play with one. Seemed super cool to me. Um, and at the same time, I was... Uh, quadrature oscillator, by the way, is the oscillator with four different uh, outputs that are 90 degrees out of phase of, with each other. Thank you. Um, I was just going to ask you that. <laughs> sorry, Tua. Uh, yeah. So, um, and, you know, like, they're used a lot. Um, like, if you want to bring it to LFO mode and swirl something in uh, quad, you see them in, like, um, yeah, the weirder, older synth DIY stuff. Um, and there, there are a few of them out there. But at the same time that I was investigating quadrature oscillators, I was also building a more standard triangle core oscillator, and just um, which I have in a bunch of my videos. It's the two body. It's mm -hmm. a dual oscillator, but it's not weird enough yet. So I, <laughs> it's not. That's. But um, while I was doing that, I was implementing pulse width modulation, and pulse width modulation is actually like. Uh, an effect I've always loved, but it's it's pretty simple. It's just like there's a comparator which goes lower or high depending on the inputs it's fed, and you just you know you compare your triangle wave with some uh, some bias, some voltage signal, and mm -hmm. that's um, because you vary your bias that you're comparing it again. You vary the width of the pulse wave, and I was kind of like. Man, like I knew that wasn't that complicated, but how can something so simple be cool? What if I did four of them? <laughs> um, so I implemented, yeah, I put basically four comparators after the um, the four phases on the quadrature oscillator. And then, because uh, this is usually the way I design things, I'm like, what if I ran that back into the input? Um, and then things got really weird. And then I took it to Superbooth and drank with the WMD guys, and they're like, you should make all that voltage controllable. So they, yeah, I added four VCAs after each of the comparators. Those are the, um, so the grind section basically is mm -hmm. comparing um, each of the four out-of-phase sign outputs against an external um, input. Or if you have nothing plugged in, it uses a... There's an all-pass filter there off of the bandpass output. Uh, so if you use it just as an oscillator and take from the grind out, that wave shape will actually chain, change at every frequency because the signal being fed against it is going through this phase shift network. Mm -hmm. um, which is interesting. I don't. I never know how technical to get, but <laughs> yeah. So I just got really exploratory and um, made this system that I liked, and spent like six months tuning it until I really, really liked it. 
Okay. Yeah. So I want to talk about the, so the, so you have four, you have four sign outputs, so you can use all of those, um, just as basically you can just have your, if, if you could put like, say, say a one volt per octave and you, you put just like a nice sequence, you can get four different sine waves out. So what, what I've been having fun with is sending like each one of those out to different VCA or different delay thing to create kind of like this nice, like lush pad below what I could create with the grind section, which can get pretty gnarly. And I want to talk about the in. So like you just said, if you, if you come straight out of the grind section as an oscillator, it's just, it, it's doing all of that really technical stuff that you said that I'm not even going to try to repeat. Um, <laughs> But you can also, you can put, uh, you can feed a, either audio or CV into it. And that's where I notice like, that's where the, the, a lot of fun comes in. So you can take like another totally different oscillator and put that in there. Like, I thought I was going towards a question, but I guess, could we talk a little bit more about the difference between putting an audio and a CV s- signal into that and kind of like, what's the difference in outcome and what kind of stuff do you, you, you use that for? Sure. So my um, very original impulse when I decided to add the four comparators to it was like, what if you had um, quadrature pulse width modulation? Uh, So you uh, basically take this um, input signal. In that mode, you would have the angle grinder in LFO mode. You'd have it going really slow. And you would... um, compare it against say a triangle wave and get this you get this thing kind of like a super solid like if you just bring up one of the um, sliders you will get basically pulse width modulation but if you bring up all four you'll get um, people are saying it's like a super saw that's more it's true enough Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a a big net like if you use a triangle as an input which I do most of the time but not always. You'll get uh, like a big, weird triangle wave with um, discontinuities that change width. Um, so like a really nasty triangle wave. Um, but yeah, if you have the uh, angle grinder at audio rate, if you look at it as scope, it's an effect kind of more similar to... Um, a sync effect or um, wa- wave folding is uh, is related. It's not exactly wave, it's not wave folding, but um, where it, uh, you know, resets one signal based on another signal and you get these complicated harmonics on top of it. Um, and you, so if you, then if you do a, uh, low frequency signal in, like a CV signal in, and have the angle grinder at um, uh, audio rate. You get you get the opposite thing where you get some sort of a uh, slowly varying, uh, thick, possibly square wavy or harsh sound. Um, and then if you have them both at audio rate. It's this more like, uh, yeah, sync ring modish type 
sound. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. That just makes everything with saying uh, harsh and ring moddy, like all these, all these words are totally applicable, but at the same time, that's, I think what I love so much about it. Cause I like, I love making harsh industrial sounding stuff, but I also really like making soft, you know, cloudy type sounding stuff. And this thing is like the perfect machine to make both of those things. And I also want to say, uh, it's really, it's really fun as like the playability of it. Like you can, you can use CV and you can do a lot of fun stuff manually with it, especially in the grind section. Like I've been running a Telharmonic, um, oscillator into the in and just kind of like slowly play playing with that in uh potentiometer fading it in and out and then the grind and spin section like it's it's a super playable and you can get so many sounds out of it um so yeah i'm having a lot of fun with it i also want to ask like the 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 layout like the design the right down to the led color like you nailed that too um <laughs> how much I, I kind of like to pick the um, manufacturer's brain. Like I know you, you've spent all this time on the circuit, but then like how stressful is it to try to do the layout and the design? Super stressful. Yeah. I bet. Um, how did, how, how did this come about? Did you have anybody help you out or did you just kind of design this yourself? Cause it's, it's, it's very unique and very pleasing to look at. Um, no, it's, it's all me. I spent <laughs> nice. a lot of a lot of time on it. Uh on the first module, the Interstellar Radio, I tried to get some friends involved um to do uh people who are graphic artists to do the layout and design for me. Um and they helped me like really define kind of helped me define an aesthetic. But um I don't know how well I work with other people. I get really, <laughs> I get really t- tweaky. I yeah. just, uh, yeah. So I, I eventually, um, yeah. So I, I eventually figured it out, and I learned how to use Illustrator. That's a cool program. <laughs> um, and I accidentally. F- fed some stuff into a really long delay and now it's flipping out around my head there it goes it's gone um so what was i gonna ask um so when when you are designing like layout like panel and everything like you you have to what comes first like design i mean you're probably designing the pcb right or or do you kind of think of how you'd want to lay it out and then try to make that work in something like KiCad or or eagle or something like well you you got to do both yeah um the you if you look at a lot of uh to design something that um is reasonably easy to manufacture the best way is to make sure it's all on one pcb Mm -hmm. so you uh which is super cool, but um, yeah, it means you have to figure out your panel layout before you, or at least as you lay out the PCB, because your panel layout is on one side of the PCB, and the or the way I do it, the com- the like the surface mount components are on the back side, and the um, panel components are on the front side. So usually I. Um, you know, I figure out the circuit, I breadboard it, I have a pretty good idea of um, all the features I want on it, but 
then when I start to do the layout, I, you know, I, I do the panel components first, and I create the panel at the same time that I'm putting the components on the board. And usually I find that uh, I, there's more things on, like, I, there needs to be a bunch of space on the panel. Like, I'm really, really big on things have to be playable. Mm -hmm. I like these big metal knobs. Um, I want all the jacks at the bottom. I want the knobs away from the jacks. I don't want to have to, like, push cables out of the way when I'm turning my knobs. And, uh, yeah, it needs to be clean and have a lot of room on it. Yeah. And, but it also needs to not take up your entire rack. So, you, yeah. Yeah, that's got to be but, such a like such a challenge. Like everything that you just said, and then like, I and and I think unfortunately, um, just we we as modular artists, it's uh, we we're we're always dealing with with space limitations more so than probably any other, like, you know, musician, as far as gear goes. Um, but it seems like also. I know, I know I've heard people say like, Oh, it's, it's too big. I don't care what it does, you know? And it's like, well, you know, if like this, this thing, how many HP is it? like 18? Is it 18 or 20? Uh, that sounds, I think it's 18. I, I can never remember the HPs. Yeah. It's, it's a little smaller than maths, I think. So I think it's 18. Um, but for what it does is, is totally worth having it in there. And the, like you said, the way, like, you you were just saying like you like it playable and like all the all the inputs or the CV ins and outs all at the bottom like all stuff I hadn't thought of until you just mentioned it and I was like oh yeah that's probably why I find myself like actually playing it while using CV with it so yeah it's I, I just imagine that's got to be such a a weird stressful thing to go from circuit all the way to like design layout it's probably just such different parts of your brain. It's uh, yeah, I don't know. It's nice to use different parts of your brain. Yeah. <laughs> um, after you do the like the first one is really 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 hard, and and the second one, but once you have a few, then your um, design aesthetic is like I mean not not saying that it won't evolve. Like I was just looking at concentric pots on the internet and going like, oh my god. <laughs> um, of course, that would be. I'd have to change the way I lay out circuit boards to use concentric pots because they they only come in 90 degrees uh, form factors as far as I'm aware of. So you can't put them flush against the board. But but then I could have more pots and less space and not use smaller knobs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds... God. Yeah, so much stuff to think of. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, go ahead. And I, like, I don't know. I've been playing synths for a lot of time, so I have a lot of, like, really weird, uh, like, I don't like toggle switches. I do like rocker switches and slide switches. Mm -hmm. um, I like as many LEDs as is possible. Yeah, your LED game is is uh, on fleek, as the kids say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love how the, the, four, <clears throat> the four around the, uh, the spin knob uh, go from from like purple to blue to red, depending on how low you're. Just depending on what settings you have, but it's just like like I, sometimes I'll turn turn my synth on to like have it as kind of like a, just a light display, and yeah, just that 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 part right there has really increased the uh, 
God, I'm sorry. I'm just like totally just (laughs) gushing about this thing. We can talk about something else if you want. I mean, it's great for me. I don't know how much other people care. (laughs) Well, I I also want people to check it out because I think, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff out there and I think this thing is, is, is truly unique and extremely, um, there's a lot of variation. So, so I think it could kind of fit in just about anybody's rack, which is kind of hard, a hard thing to do. I would imagine, um, all right, I'm going to interrupt myself here for a second um, to talk to you guys about this tier on Patreon that I have. It's uh, it's basically you uh, you sign up for this tier, you send me an adjective and noun, an adjective and a noun, and I uh, get 15 minutes and I make a patch for you, and then I record a video of it, post it on Instagram, I record a performance of it, send you the the WAV file or MP3, whichever you prefer. And then uh, I'll give you some words, and you make a patch, and then you do the same and send me a file, and I'll play it on the show. And then I'll also play uh, what I made for you on the show. So, KZ Luna, you gave me Celestial Conundrum. And I'm going to show you what my uh, Celestial Conundrum sounds like. Made it in 15 minutes. KZ, thank you very much for uh, becoming a patron and uh, giving me that inspiration. Once again, if you want to do that same thing, go to patreon.com forward slash popular modcast. But so, so are you, are you thinking about, are, are you, are you system oriented? Are you, are you thinking slappy system? Is that kind of your thing? Or are you thinking more just like, oh, I'll just make whatever modules I want to make? No, I'm, there's, we're going to make the, the schlappin' jammer. <laughs> Um, yes, there will be a schlappy system. Right on. So the modules that aren't out yet, do you want to talk a little bit about what you have in, 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 in kind of respect to building a system? Or is that kind of behind the scenes, don't want to let it out yet? Um, yeah, I don't... <laughs> Just from taking things to trade shows... Uh, People get psyched, but I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to say too much, just because I don't want to be held to 
right. anything because <laughs> what I might do is, you know, I never know what I'm going to do. I'm going to yeah. do what I want to do, you know? Yeah. But I will do, um, I like to think of things in function blocks. Uh, I probably won't do any more things that kick out tons of square waves, right? Right. Um, uh, I will do something that serves uh, amplitude control, like VCAs and all the stuff that goes with that. Uh, there are more oscillators coming. Um, there's There won't be any vanilla filters, but there will be more things that can filter. There's a... Uh, a thing called the i don't i don't think i like the title right now but it's called the distortion ladder right now uh -huh. um i've been thinking maybe going with the angle grinder thing and doing wood chipper oh, or yeah. uh yeah and then i can put a that the feet coming out of the wood chipper from fargo <laughs> yeah i uh i'm um, on board for that <laughs> i don't know uh that's like um, a distortion slash filter. I like distortion, though. I at some point feeling like I'm pushing it already, doing two things that are weird, noisy distortion things. <laughs> so we'll see. <clears throat> so, so uh, you're you're really it's, you're really into distortion and crunchy stuff. So, like, how did how did what led you there? Like, kind of growing up. What were some of your influences, and how did you eventually just find yourself like a module manufacturer? Like, let's let's go back a little uh, bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I uh, used to like death metal, <laughs> um, and then I moved to New York in the early two thousands and spent like ten years going to four noise shows a week, something like that. I used to hang out at um, Death by Audio. I actually built pedals in the back at Death by Audio for a summer. Nice. Like 2006 or something. Um, those guys are awesome. I don't know if they remember me or not. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I've always wanted to build stuff. I think it's kind of like Eurorack makes sense as a, like a proto. It's not the greatest prototyping platform because it, locks you into some somewhat poor design decisions. But, um, <laughs> like, as an idea of doing, starting a company as yourself, you can build one function at a time, which is awesome. Um, I am not, uh, like, the things that I love are all these analog monosynths, and I, that's where I'm headed eventually, but... Um, I'm also not, I don't make simple things, so when I, <laughs> when right. I make one, it's going to be pretty complicated, and it's nice to be able to try out a bunch of ideas before going, you know, spending three years going whole hog on it, or something like that. Okay, so the, so the, the kind of the, the, the end game right now is to eventually make like a standalone synth, not like outside of modular, just a, a, a standalone mono synth. For sure, there will there will be at least one. Uh, I mean, hopefully, if I can get there. But yeah, um, I'm also really interested in these things that, uh, like, a lot of what's happening now with different control interfaces. Like, uh, I saw Heinbach in um, 
when I went to Superbooth, play a set with some Seat Lombard stuff um, and some Metasonic stuff, and it was awesome. Uh, and I hadn't, like, I've played with both Seat Lombard and Metasonic's gear before, but failed to make anything music musical out of it. <laughs> so I'm also interested in the idea of presenting people with something strange and letting them make music uh, with it. Do, are you, do you have any interest in making, like, it seems like there, I foresee a trend coming of something like the uh, the no coast and and mother thirty two defam and I feel like four ms is almost doing it in their own cool way with their little pods and stuff but like <laughs> how do you what, totally. how do you, how do you feel about that is there kind of is there a, a slappy groove box in the or, or semi modular thing on the way to the monosynth or y yeah uh, so there's there's two things there um, like I, I have no coast and I like it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't, I don't know. Um, anything I make is going to have a way to play it on it. Okay. Uh, I'm disinterested in the idea of like a box with MIDI input or CV inputs. Like it will have those things, but it will also for sure have some sort of interface, whether that's a sequencer or a keyboard or, um, I don't know, a jack that you stick in your back of your neck and you <laughs> plug into the matrix directly <laughs> through your synthesizer um and i need uh before i like right now everything i've been doing is all analog and i will probably keep up with that for a bit but most of the ideas i have for interfaces and sequencers um do involve some sort of digital platform so i need to Put a few things out and then like stop and spend all my time coming up with a digital platform that I like. Okay, okay. So it sounds like you've actually got a pretty a pretty good like five ten year plan going on. <laughs> um, I mean, I got ideas forever. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's time. So so when you when you're when you're design say you're just like okay you're designing a new module or what does does that kind of I think I think I already asked this question earlier, but I I've just got this this fat like this fascination of like just like somebody laying in bed and then like shooting out of bed really quickly and running over and scrawling something down and then, then that like idea becoming like the next module they build. Is is that kind of how it comes or is it more of just like a a slow uh like looking at this, looking at that, well this doesn't do what I want, but if I did this with that type I mean, it's it's both. Yeah. Usually there's an, an initial inspiration that comes like waking up in the morning sometimes, but usually it's more like out on your bicycle or whatever, um, getting some exercise, Yeah. Uh, getting rained on, drinking <laughs> beers, I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I get some idea that I'm really psyched on, and then you work on it and it changes. Like they always... Yeah. Like... It always changes as soon as you start working on it. So being in Portland and when you get these ideas, like it seems like you have a lot, like an awesome community down there. Um, and from the, from what I've gathered from people that I talk to who are manufacturers down there, it seems like there's a lot of camaraderie and a lot of like helping each other out and bouncing ideas off each other. Like, I don't know when, when I, when I think about it, it just seems like this little like 
modular utopia down there. <laughs> like, how true is that? It's pretty true. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's awesome. I I've only been out here for a little over a year now. Um, moved here from Portland actually partly because of the synthesizer scene. Okay. And um, before I got here, my my girlfriend actually moved out here first, and I ran into Thomas Fang uh, at a house party, uh, who is awesome, if you do not know him. Um, not yet, but he, I've heard the I've heard the name. You should you should look him up. Uh-huh. But um, at the time he was working at Dark Place. Okay. Uh, now I think he's pretty much full time over at Four MS. Okay. But okay. um, yeah, he introduced me around, and yeah, the community is amazing. It's ridiculous going to shows out here. Like, maybe it's a Pacific Northwest thing, but it, every time I go to a show, it's just a stack of people playing modulars, and <laughs> a good portion of them do work for some synth company in some um, some way or another. And there's also the synth library, which is awesome. And I volunteer there sometimes. Yeah, I really want to check that out. I've only been down to Portland once since I started the show, and it was for just a few hours. I need to I need to come down for like, I feel like in order to do it all right and talk to everybody I want to talk to, I need to come down there for a week. I really want to see the lib- synth library. I'd, I'd love to check it's, out Dark Place. And uh, Forum S, like the vibe over there is amazing. And those uh, those people are all one. I mean, they're they're all. <laughs> the whole synth crew is awesome, but um, can I, can I do shout outs? Please do, yeah. Yeah, shout out to Forum S, to Topo Brio, to uh, friggin' Ross at Moffin Zeef. Um, I can never think very good. I like <laughs> Maleko. <laughs> Yeah, I'm lo- I'm looking at like eight Portland companies right now. Yeah, Form S, AI oh, Synthesis, uh, Mordax, uh, Mordax, Brandon. Um, it yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Vintage Synth, Vintage Synth. What what is the how, VSL? They're good guys. I don't know. There's Everyone's, so many oh, manufacturers um, down. Abstract Data, I think. Right. I don't know Abstract Data. Uh, Jeff Knorr, uh he does the uh thing with the brain seed. Um Yeah. I just talked to Jeff. We're gonna well, I haven't talked to him on the show yet, but I'm trying to get him on the show. Yeah. I mean he He's the center of the scene with the whole um Volt Divers thing. Yeah, so I I booked a Volt Divers set thinking that I was going down there with a bunch of people for a weekend and was going to try to do a live podcast and it all kind of fell through and it really bummed me out because I, I couldn't quite sell my wife on a trip to Portland for me playing a 15 minute set. So I was like, I have to, I have to have some other stuff going on around it to, to justify the Airbnb and, and all that. So sorry, Jeff, I do want to, I, I really want to come down there and play one though. I'm going to come to Seattle and do the module on the spot thing in January. Oh, nice, nice. Um, yeah, so th- that's that's been really cool. They they moved it into an indoor setting for you know this time of year, and we found a cool club 
uh, called Substation. So we get to play like on a on a real stage with like a real sound system for for the winter, which is is kind of rare for modular here. Um, it's not like Portland. It's not every show you go to is modular stuff. It's usually just. If I mean every show I go to is because I'm you know always going to modular on the spots, but <laughs> it's it's not really super common out there that I have noticed yet. But hopefully that's changing. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's what do you think about this this growing popularity? I try to ask all the manufacturers. It seems like there's some jaded people who think that the bubble is burst, has burst, or is going to burst, or some people think that. It's just kind of ramping up and that modulars are going to be increasing in popularity. What do you think? I, I think it's going to keep going. I think it makes sense. Like It's like this running theme on your podcast and the, <laughs> the other two modular podcasts <laughs> where like feel like it's just the way music's going. People are, first they had guitars and then they bought tons of pedals and then they were just playing the pedals and now they're getting in the modular. Like I don't think it even makes sense to think of it as in relation to the old school modular synthesizers because it's it's not the way people are using it really oh no it's totally different yeah i just i just had uh daedalus on and like the way he uses it's less like he's basically it's like a dj on an all modular system and it's like oh i think people are just going to keep coming up with with uh interesting ways to use it that are yeah like you said just so far away from like the original modular stuff so yeah um i think i think we might see more pedal companies maybe venturing into it i don't know that's my prediction yeah i it i feel like all the and more of the pro audio companies like that already started with uh who got the the people that make the fancy delays. Um, oh yeah, Strymon. Was it Strymon? And then was it Eventide that also got yeah, into it? Or? Yeah, Eventide has some. Um, yeah, and I, and I and then like Dave Smith has has a couple modules, and I think Ro- Roland's try Roland I think has tried once and then didn't do so well, and now has a new run. Um, yeah, but it seems like everybody I talk to has different opinions on that. I'm like, is there going to be Korg modules? And some people say no, and then some people say definitely. And I don't know. It's it's a weird. It's still a weird wild west. The so the analog rolling modules were made by the Maleco guys, and you that's right. you'd oh, have right. to talk talk to them about that. But um, I haven't gotten. We may not quite be at the point where it makes sense for um, a company that big to get into it on their own. Like it, it mm-hmm. makes sense to if they don't have to if they can just hand designs. I think to um, yeah, someone like Josh Hawley at Maleco. We may not quite be at the point yet where because. Um, you know, having an engineer on staff is expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, like, definitely with my stuff, <laughs> like, I'm so far away from being able to hire any other people or pay myself for design time. Like, I'm able to sell modules, but it's definitely not. Um, and I know there's a lot of people making more modules than me, but I I think we'll get there. I think we're, we're further away than people think maybe from the really big companies getting into it but i could be wrong 
Yeah, I don't. It's it's kind of a, a double edged sword. It, it could make things more affordable the more popular it gets, but also, um, I don't know. Like we we've talked a lot about this with with maybe making cheaper stuff, but it's it's always there, people always find their way to the good stuff. Like I don't think something like Behringer is gonna totally destroy anything like this. So I don't know. That's a tangent. I'll probably just edit out, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I kind of want to go back to something you said a while ago. You mentioned something like the, the idea for, um, for the, uh, interstellar came from a medical like device. Is that something you do for, is that your, is that your day job? Do you design m- like medical devices or I feel like people so will get I... mad at me if I don't come back to that. Cause that sounded really interesting. <laughs> So I was uh, doing freelance EE work for um, a couple years in Tucson, and one thing I did was a medical device um, that involved uh, high voltages, like 20 kV. Um, it was it was cool. That's like it's actually a bonus, I think, to have the kind of project that you work on, where if you mess up but it explodes like (laughs) really clear or something catches on fire like that after doing a bunch of other things it's really nice to have something that just catches on fire if you do it wrong as opposed to spending hours and hours and hours going through it um yeah no i was doing freelance stuff um i'm still doing a little bit of freelance stuff i have a day job right now uh yeah i don't i'd like to get back to just freelance and doing my own things but um yeah i kind of bounce around i've done industrial and medical and defense as a ee guy and then um i've also uh Worked on uh, video synth with with BPMC. I think it's okay to talk about that stuff now. <laughs> but um, there's some video synth stuff that's supposed to work with um, the LZX gear that will be coming out soon-ish, hopefully. Okay, I um, yeah, that stuff seems to be getting more and more popular. The video synth stuff. It's cool. It's super it's, cool. Yeah. I was surprised. I I like to think of myself as pretty technical and that I can usually pick things up pretty quickly, but I'm I'm such a noob with that stuff. It's not. (laughs) It it is really humbling. It is a really, really different thing to wrap your brain around. Um, Also, uh, vector graphics. I've been getting into that a bit lately with the help of uh, Jano over at 4MS and... uh, uh yeah some of the other guys around here um that's really cool that's a little easier to wrap my brain around i don't know if you've have you explored that at all i know i mean i i know there's raster and vector that's 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 where my my knowledge stops um so that is it kind of adjacent to video synth or is it a, a type of video synthesis or what what exactly is it um so it's Scope art, maybe, is how you would know it. If you just um, basically take two, uh, or people call it Lisa Jew curves or whatever. Um, It's 
you have a scope with an XY input and you stick one signal onto the X and one into the Y and you make, uh, like if it's, um, if they are two sine waves 90 degrees out of phase with each other, then it will create a circle. So the angle grinder is actually really good for this stuff. Okay, um, okay. You need phase-related signals to make good, um, really good images. The WMD PDO is another classic for this stuff, I believe. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's a whole weird world of picking oscilloscopes that look the coolest. <laughs> um, uh, it's another bizarre rabbit hole, but it's a little little easier than the video stuff because the video stuff is like a video signal is itself a pretty strange, complex thing. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas uh, XY on an oscilloscope is audio signals uh, that are phase related. They're pretty neat. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if that has gained in such popularity because maybe watching somebody stand and stare down at just what looks like a rat nest of wires for like the audience maybe is uh <laughs> maybe not the most fun show setting. Um I'm just thinking, yeah, like if my dream is to be able to control my own visuals behind me with like the sound that I'm also making. Like that just seems like the ultimate end goal for a live performance with modular. Totally. Um, <laughs> though, yeah. Um, yeah. For a while, I was feeling like, oh, it's 2018. Everything you do should have a visual component. It's not that hard. But there, uh, I don't know. Maybe you should find a friend that does videos and <laughs> focus on making really good sounds. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. When I say dream, um, I mean like dream, dream. <laughs> like it's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I was having similar dreams about the video, but uh -huh. um, there, there's other ideas that may or may not happen. I have brought oscilloscopes to shows. I do like bringing um, some sort of visual element, like a, I perform in a wizard cloak. I was with just gonna <laughs> hanging around. Um, I was not gonna not mention the wizard cloak. <laughs> <laughs> so that most recent, I was doing that a lot in Arizona, and I'd kind of. Kind of stopped doing it, but um, Jeff Knorr saw pictures of that and was like, you have to wear the wizard cloak if you're going to play Vault Divers. I'm like, okay. Well, it makes so much like sense. <laughs> with a type, like, yeah. <laughs> well, shit, man. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that, that you got to get off your chest? Because we're, uh, we're about to draw some, some adjectives and nouns for you. <laughs> Draw, draw me some adjectives and nouns. Okay. Well, I actually did it a second ago, so I have them for you because I realized that crinkling paper in the middle of the show was really annoying. Uh, <laughs> frantic is your adjective, and your noun is pharmacopoeia. That might be one of my favorites so far, actually. All right. I'm going to show you guys another, uh, another type of delay that the uh, Mark IV disting from expert sleepers can do. Uh, this one is the clockable ping pong delay. Uh, so you got your input and then you've got two outputs. So you can do some cool stereo stuff with it. All right, so let's just take a, a listen to the dry signal. This is a braid's drum. 
Not, not too exciting. But let's bring uh, output A up into the mix. A little more interesting. Now, output B. with this uh, feedback input. For the full effect, if you're listening to this uh, in a mono situation or if you've got uh, your your earbud only in one ear, you're really not going to get the full effect. So uh, in this case, you, you want some stereo speakers or uh, optimally some headphones. Now let's use a faster speed to control the delay time. So as you can see, depending on what you're feeding it, as far as your, your delay speed goes, is you can really change the whole character of, uh, of a rhythmic patch. Change that again. <laughs> yeah, so the only thing that I've changed so far is just the timing of the, uh, of the delay speed. So yeah, today I just showed you two of the uh, many different effects that the, uh, the Disting Mark IV can do. And uh, next week I'll be showing you some of the other cool stuff, uh, maybe not delay related, um, but yeah, VCO, LFO, envelope generator, CV quantizing. I mean, it's got everything. So uh, head to expertsleepers.co.uk for more information. <laughs> Welcome back. What are you using as a vocoder? I've, I've got... The, uh, the 256. <laughs> I need to get a vocoder. Okay, so your words were frantic pharmacopoeia, um, which I think those are some of the cooler words, I think, that I've drawn so far. Um, what did that... What did that uh, what kind of seeds did that plant in your head as far as the patch goes? Well, I turned the tempo up. Um, yeah, and I did a variation on one of my standard things. So there's a couple voices. There's the interstellar radio. Makes fucking frantic, drugged out <laughs> sounds. Um, uh, plugged a lot of different CVs into the angle grinder. Stuck the mutant bass drum underneath it because 
bass drums. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like these words are perfect for for your your modules. It kind of the 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 random adjective noun gods smiled upon us, I think. <laughs> I agree. So so um so you I know you you've listened to some of the episodes. Um going in going into the patch challenge how how what was it uh was it what you expected like what what did the time crunch like what kind of what kind of influence did that have on the patching was it stressful I mean, or yeah i mean i'm not I don't, i'm going it it's a variation on one of my my syst- whole system is set up right now for uh just in a 6u uh it's really small and it's meant for live stuff. So there's like, I do have a giant case, which uh, if you gave me six hours, I would <laughs> definitely set that up and go to town on a totally original frantic pharmacopoeia patch. <laughs> um, but for 15 minutes, like this, this case is sweet. I, I know it really well, but it's a lot of kind of like individual voices that I... I interpatch with each other, like, but I tend to use the interstellar radio as one voice. One angle grinder is another voice. The other angle grinder going through the distortion ladder is a third voice. Um, and I have a couple kick drum modules that I switch out from time to time. Bunch of maths. I got the DLD recently. That thing's cool. Yeah. I'm putting it on everything for the next six months. It's at least. on everything I do pretty much too. It's, it's an excellent delay. Um, I noticed. I feel like that kind of glued everything together when I got there. Yeah, when I first got into modular, I didn't have any effects, and I was like, "Man, it just all sounds like robots fighting or having sex or something." And I, and I was, the once I got a couple delays, I was like, "Oh, okay, that's that's what I needed." I mean, I mostly do just want things to sound like robots fighting and having sex, <laughs> and like also puking at the same time, like that one gif with the dogs, but. Um, yeah, I found I can make something that's recognizable as techno if I have the looping delay in there as well. Nice. Um, also, I noticed in uh, in your super booth video that you have two maths, and I have been I've been thinking about that. I I just picked up a function because I was like I don't need two maths, and the function's cool, but I'm kind of like ah, I think I want another maths. I've got. I've got two maths and a function in this case. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Things that I did not design in here are two maths, a function, the um, 1050 mixer sequencer from the NLC, mutant kick drum, some VCAs. Oh, and the, the limit by DPW, which is a cool thing. But yeah, the maths, maths is great. I've, I've had them for three or four years now, and I'm still still learning things like i mean it's a it's a dusg which is a circuit that's proven it is a classic surge <laughs> circuit from the 70s that has proven it's worth over fucking 40 years <laughs> it better be real good come on <laughs> Yeah, there's a reason people uh, always say just just buy five maths. Cool. Well, let's hear it. Yeah. 
thank you for joining me. Um, I feel like my interviewing skills were a little off tonight, so I apologize <laughs> for that. Um, but uh, yeah, I had a, I had a good time talking to you with you, and I can't wait to uh, to see you when you come up to Seattle. Heck yeah! Um, hit me up if you ever roll. Next time you roll through Portland. I want to thank Eric for being on the show. That was a lot of fun. Um, it was also really cool. I got to hang out with him uh, you know, last weekend, actually, uh, meet him for the first time. This was after we had already had our talk. And uh, we played a show together, and his set was uh, my favorite of the night, and there were a lot of good sets. Uh, so, yeah, it was just really awesome to finally hang out with him. And uh, don't forget that he has some music that you are hearing right now under my voice on Bandcamp. Um, you can go to ericschlappy.bandcamp.com. That is E. R-I-C-S-C-H-L-A-P-P-I. This song is from the album Curled, Curled, Emerlin, Curled Emerlin. And that's uh, this the name of this track as well. I highly recommend it. Also, don't forget to go check out Patchworks.com, the new website. No matter where you live in the States, you can, uh, you can order some stuff from them and you'd be supporting a really awesome shop. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to Waveform Magazine. That uh, first issue will be coming out in early spring. And um, if you want to help out on the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash podular modcast, please, please, please go check out the Disting Mark IV from Expert Sleepers. And finally, email me. If you're in an area and you don't know where the synth heads are and you want me to try to connect you all, send me an email. And I will announce it on the show and uh, give out your contact information for any fellow PodMod bots in your area to get a hold of you. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>